But I think when you only have to really get up for one difficult game during the year, I just I don't see that necessarily being the trap game. If we are the tide from the north, we're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris Hammond, and with me today, I have the professor, Brian Marceau. Brian, how are you doing today? Chris, it is absolutely fantastic to be back. It is. We have football back. And not only do we have football back, we have the tromboner himself, Martin Heemstra, on the podcast today. Martin, <laughs> how are you, my man? I'm doing good, Chris and Brian. How are you? I'm good. doing great now. It took me two seconds to uh, realize what that joke was. <laughs> I uh, when I wrote it on paper, it did not come out as vulgar. We have as it did. we have and, those shirts on as like marching band shirts. Oh, I've seen you wear that shirt. It's um, amazing. But it, it, I just I just randomly decided that we needed <laughs> nicknames because the only one that had one was really Alex the Boat Boatman, who is not joining us today. And so when I was typing, you were joining me as Alex the Boat Boatman. I was like, why doesn't Brian have a? you know, a nickname or Martin. So I went with it. We'll see if they stick. Probably not. But um, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Tubbs at the Club, the Vandals affiliate podcast on the Big Sky Podcast Network. Uh, today we're going to be covering the Big Sky schedule release. For those of you that tuned in last week, myself and a couple other pod, Big Sky Podcast Network people did the roundtable chat. This is going to be strictly Vandal-focused. This is going to be how it pertains to your beloved Idaho Vandals in the spring of 2021. Time pending, maybe we'll flirt with some fall 2021, but uh, there, there's a lot to cover, so let's get into it. And first, we got to thank our sponsor, who makes every episode available, Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky Country. Best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American log for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get, yes, some snacks. So, last week, the Big Sky announced their spring 2021 schedule. Uh, and basically, for those of you that didn't watch, um, Tom Wistertill went on and kind of did an interview with um, Mary Louise Cook, who's like their social media, digital media person there at the Big Sky Conference. And then Dan Satter, who's the deputy commissioner, who we've actually had on this podcast before. We'll have a, for those on YouTube, we'll have a, a card or whatever they're called to that uh, episodes if you, if you want to check that out but he went on a nice tweet spree kind of explaining the entire process and and to break it down for you guys real briefly before we go like maybe five minutes into just a wholehearted the whole conference just because you haven't heard brian and martin's takes on it uh the, the whole goal was to basically minimize travel while also providing the opportunity of air so you look at the march 20th 
and the April 17th open dates. Those are specifically because, and it's becoming even more evident if you watch the fall football season in the FBS, the Pac-12 week one had two games canceled. Uh, it, it, we've had Wisconsin's, I think, only played one game total. So it's, it's happening. You, you'd be ignorant not to think that it's, it's possible. So what the Big Sky did, which was to factor in having those additional bye weeks so that let's say week two, we're playing Idaho State in, at Holt Arena. For whatever reason, there's a COVID outbreak or something like that. Uh, we have to reschedule. It's easy. We have that open date, March 20th. They can just push it back to that because you're going to have to have, I believe it was four games by the FCS to be considered for the FCS playoffs. So if two get canceled, you're still kind of in, but having those two weeks really position you better to get that bid. The other thing that they really wanted to cover is the fact that you'll notice March 27th, so basically what we would call week five, but technically week four of games if there's no makeup games. Um, no, we, yeah, week four uh, is what basically rivalry. You have the Red Scare rivalry of Idaho versus Eastern Washington. You have Cat Grizz. Uh, you have Weaver State, Southern Utah. So that's kind of your rivalry week right there. And what Dan also brought up there is obviously that's the thing that got noticed the most by people when the schedule released. And that was specifically because Cat Grizz is traditionally an end of the year game. And it was not that this year. And even for Idaho fans, I was kind of like, oh, you know, like we're ending with Southern Utah. I wasn't really stoked about that. But that's kind of it is pump your brakes. They purposely put the rivalry games week four because if you do need to reschedule that rivalry week four because of what we just talked about, COVID-19 related, um, that would be the first game that'd be rescheduled. That would then be pushed that April 17th game, which then means you'd be ending your season with a Cat Grizz, a Red Scare rivalry, or something like that. So that's why they actually did that, which I thought was ingenious because when I saw it, I was definitely one of the people that was like, I don't get the week four rivalry thing. I mean, I'm happy they kind of made a rivalry week, but that makes sense that if that week four game gets canceled, it's automatically going to be the one they try to push to April 17th. Where if it was week five and your week four game got canceled, well, now you're out of luck. So that case, if you do end up having a couple games canceled, at least you have that rivalry game at the end of the year for something to kind of look forward to as your last game. So all in all, I think that was very smart. They did uh, the strategy of trying to get the cold weather teams to domes or California early the best they could. They also made sure nobody had three away games in a row. And I, all in all, I think they actually did a really good job with the schedule. Is it balanced by any means? No, but it never is. So that's kind of the general takeaway of how the schedule was formed, why it was formed, why you're seeing some weird things in week four, Eastern week two, um, which sucks for us. We have to go to, or uh, sorry, <laughs> Uh, Montana and Eastern in week two. So there's some weird things going on there still that like don't really fit what they were saying. But all in all, I, I'm pretty happy with the schedule. After that nice filibuster textbook, I'm pulling my best Brian Marceau and teaching the people what's going on here. Um, Brian, what are your thoughts, takeaways uh, of just generally the release and your general thoughts on the Big Sky Conference schedule? Well, one, there's there's one huge miss, and it's going to be devastating to us all. That rivalry, rivalry week does not include everyone's favorite Big Sky game of the year, Southern Utah and Colorado. But you know, if we subtract that, that uh, disappointment, uh, um, you know, I, one, I, love what the, I love the fact that we 
have something we can look at. I love that the schedule um, has space built in and that it also acknowledges that the, there needs to be built in, you know, a turnaround time for the next season because, you know, this season eligibility wise is a free, which means for a lot of people, you know, they're going to kind of value probably the fall season more when things might be closer to normal. Um, but, you know, the, there are a lot of home runs in this. You know, if you look at, you know, Montana, Montana, and the state plan in that rivalry week, uh, you know, early, I get sorry, the rivalry week itself. If you're a fan of those games, we have an open week there. Yeah, it's for a potential game, but also just positive. If there's injury issues, you have, you have an extra for your team to get healthy. Um, also, if you're, you know, a team like Idaho, it is great that, you know, we're going we're gonna to have uh, 10 teams in having a starting quarterback. So it's, I like that this is, not why they did, it, did this for the schedule, but, but when teams get to some of their big games, you know, we, we should have some clarity in that extra week. We'll help. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the overall takeaway is I think the Big Sky uh, organizationally, similar to how organizationally Idaho has been pretty dang good with a lot of the COVID-related stuff. Um, I, I like what the Big Sky did with what we can do for the spring. What a start. You were very robot voicey there, so hopefully we can salvage some of that audio. If not, try to hit those points again later. Martin, how would, yes. what's your thoughts on the season? Or the release of the season? I, I'm excited. It gives me hope to have some sort of sense of normalcy with Big Sky football. Some back to normal after eight, nine, eight eight months or so of just nothingness feels like we're in July again, getting ready for <laughs> fall. Oh, I would say, yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming with that point, but we're still over a hundred days from kickoff. Yeah. And after we've seen things change rapidly. Oh yeah. So that, that I am a little worried about. Um, Brian, I just want to, let's test your audio. I'm going to give you the first chance to pull a tap. What do you kind of want to talk about Idaho-centric-wise on the schedule? Oh, man. So, Idaho-centric. Uh, the, you know, the first thing I want to acknowledge for, with Idaho, and I just want to – I'm going to take a broad view of the schedule for a second, is uh, familiar listeners will probably know that I've been, at times, one of the harsher voices in relation to our vandals over the last few years, you know, uh, i.e., Maybe Which would also make you a corrector voice. Yeah, at times. <laughs> but like, you know, for example, I was a guy who referred to, you know, after the North Northern Colorado game, or no, the Wyoming game where the dead horse was looking all right. And I referred to our fans as having quarterback Stockholm syndrome. Um, I know at times I've been a little bit on the harsher end. I look at our schedule and I think we we're we're set up we're set up to be a turnaround team. Uh, you know, we we don't have the easiest schedule. Uh, that distinction belongs to Weber state in my mind. And, uh, based off, you know, Chris, the metrics you put together on FCS fans nation, which listeners, if you haven't listened, you should go ahead and check it out. Idaho certainly has a favorable schedule and we also, you know, we don't, we don't have any teams that our fans are going to be really concerned about until in my mind, Eastern Washington in week four, then or week five, and then Montana 
weeks, uh, week six, game five. Um, we've got four. We've got three three games against teams that finished tied for last place last year. And if you if I know we look bad against Portland State, but honestly, Portland State doesn't really worry me that much. So I know you know our rosters on all teams have a good chance of changing uh, between now and the start of the season. But I think every Vandal fan should look at our six game slate. Look at it as not only is it favorable, but we have two marquee opponents in the conference in Eastern and Montana. And I'm man, I'm ready for football season. Yeah, and and to kind of counter on to your point there, um, according to that article uh, that that you cited that I did, uh, Weber does have the easiest, but surprisingly, Idaho is only is very much biting at their heels there for the second easiest schedule. Um, and then it's actually a bit of distance between them and the next. So they're separated by 22 points in my metrics, and the next team is over 107 away. So between the 10th easiest schedule and, you know, us at the 11th, with there only being 12 teams and we were at 12. So we are, like, very much in the factor of having the easiest schedule. Um because then you also factor the fact that we're not Weber State, so we're not going to be getting everybody's best shot. So if you if there's a way if I accounted for points there, you could actually argue that Idaho has the easiest schedule because nobody's going to be really expecting anything of Idaho. And as, Brian, as you kind of touched on there, uh, we don't really have a game to be super worried about until Week Four against Eastern Washington because we'll be we'll, by that time we'll have played Northern Colorado, who maybe. Uh, gets us, but probably not. Idaho State, probably not. Portland State, probably not. So Eastern's going to roll in and be like, yeah, but you still beat a bunch of nobodies. And hopefully after a bye, we're able to beat Eastern. And then all of a sudden, Montana and Southern Utah looking at the end of the week like, holy smokes. But then at that point, is it too late? Have we already gotten the practice and reps in and the the belief mentally um, that, that we could be that team? So I think the schedule sets up extremely favorable for us to I, I don't want to say make a run, but in, in I guess our in own terms make a run. Like I know in some teams' terms, that's us winning the championship, going to the playoffs. I'm not going to say that that happens this year, but at least this is the year where you'll see what we've built on from 18 to 19 to now. I think you're going to see a significant leap forward, which is only going to make you more excited looking into fall 2021. Any takes, Martin? Uh, just the Idaho schedule. I kind of look at it as kind of a like a ramp, kind of bringing kind of like a teacher thing. You're kind of given the easy assignments in the beginning, and then it kind of builds up to the the test of grit, Montana. Because I don't, I kind of see it as like a ramp going up. You kind of have your start out with your your stuff easy, and then it gets progressively I'd say more difficult as the season goes on towards Eastern and Eastern and Montana. It, you know, related, you know, another thing too, that matters for, for Idaho and that's favorable for us is, you know, if you look at our, the location of our games now, Chris, forgive me if you already touched on this, um, the big sky did their best to schedule the first slate of games like weeks one through three, though no team is given like three road games to start the year. The priority scheduling was warm weather home games or dome home games. 
mm-hmm. which means for a team like Idaho, when you know we're we're an in, we're a partially intermountain conference, where you know early late February Montana would be a wretched place to be playing and practicing. Well, Idaho, we we opened up February twenty seventh uh, against no- Northern Colorado in Moscow. Next week we're at Idaho State, so that's back to back dome games. Week after that, uh, it, we have Portland State at home by week, and our first game outside where weather could be an issue at all isn't until March twenty seventh, and by that point, you know things like snow and ice. I mean, it's not going to be warm in Cheney on March 27th, but it's not going to be like, you know, if we are playing, if we're like Montana, where Montana plays in Cheney week two, you know, that's a, again, another break for us where we know uh, weather is not going to be an issue. Really it, for us, it shouldn't be an issue almost through any game the entire year. Yeah, which is actually kind of funny because when you're going through that, that reminded me of, if you remember back in July, kind of like Martin was touching on earlier, when we were breaking down what was supposed to be our fall twenty. 20 season we had that stretch where like after washington state we only left the palouse like twice and one of those was to idaho state so it was like you kind of look at that and you're right you're like northern colorado comes to us week one then we're at idaho state not really a tough game um then you're portland state at home and then by week then cheney cheney is a day bus ride i mean and then you have montana at home our real only road game this year is at Southern Utah on April 10th, and it's actually going to be nice down there. I mean, we got an extremely favorable mm-hmm. schedule. I mean, I, I, like you said, I didn't factor in the point that, yeah, we're going dome, dome, dome for our first three games by week, and then Cheney at the end of March, basically April. I mean, that broke extremely favorably for us. Um, and like I kind of touched on, Depending on how the season goes, we'll still be probably pretty underrated going into that Cheney game with a bye week. Um, it, I, I like our shots because then you look at Eastern schedule, they're coming off Montana and UC Davis before that bye week and then having to turn around and play us. So, I mean, I'm not saying that injuries can't happen, but you, you look at a team like Montana and UC Davis, I feel like there's a better chance that Eastern will be feeling more bruised up than we will. Um, especially because both of us will have a rivalry game week two, basically. So you can't really count there. But if I think who's going to hit harder, Montana or Idaho State, I'm going to guess Montana. But one thing I, I really want you to touch on, because you started talking about it pre-show, and then we kind of stopped you because I hadn't even thought about this. And I kind of want to hear your thought process through it. But you brought out maybe one of our biggest breaks in the entire schedule. I mean, we just covered a bunch. The fact that we're basically at home or in a dome the entire the first three weeks and basically at home the entire season except southern utah um but what did you really notice from the schedule because i thought that was pretty interesting oh yeah for us this is again uh, where idaho had a break and you know if, if you're a listener and you're wondering brian why the hell do you sound optimistic well hey give me a week but you know Montana, the everyone knows you know the biggest game in the big sky season is cat grizz now our our rivalry with Eastern is getting better, but it, they're just not the same thing, like energetically or media focus wise. Um, but you know, Cat Grizz. Now back in the day, Cat Grizz used to be around midpoint of the season, and then followed by Idaho for the University of Montana. Uh, but this that it hasn't been that way for any player on the teams so far. Hasn't been that way for any of the coaches, the current coaches. Um, so you know. Idaho plays Montana the week after Cat Grizz, 
And if you look at, first off, look at Montana State has a really, really rough schedule um, to start the, you know, to, <clears throat> to work through the entire six game slate, but uh, particularly early on, it's rough. Um, so that game, you know, is going to be, you know, like a dogfight. And anyway, no matter what, it's going to have a different meaning this year. Uh, but we get Montana the week after. If you're looking for a, I don't know, like a, a way to, I don't think of us as a trap game because I, I really think we're going to be moving at least towards the middle to X to, to moving towards the top tier of the conference this year. But it's going to be tough for Montana to have a, in my mind, a big turnaround, you know, a, a strong, a similar effort after Cat Grizz. And that's us after Cat Grizz. And we really only have two teams right now that we're, you know, if you look at our schedule, I think there's reason to say, hey, four wins is quite reasonable. But if we get a favorable turnaround on Montana, you know, that that could be on paper. That's our biggest concern about a win right now is Montana. Yeah. And we get them at probably the only better time to play Montana would be week one because they're going to be practicing in the snow and ice. Uh, so they're like they're they're not going to be to have the same kind of rhythm um, that, let's say, a team like Idaho should where we're not going to have any problem with snow or ice for practice. Uh, so week one would probably be better, but if we didn't have week one, I'd want it right after that rivalry game. Yeah. I think when you pointed that out, I mean, yeah, cause I feel like it was 2018. The last time they were in the dome was the year where they played us and then had to host the cats the next week to end their season. And that was the famous Jeff Trote timeout on the goal line, touchdown didn't count next play fumble. So you just think about how hard it is. And uh, Hauk, I believe, actually talked about it that year ago. It kind of stinks that we have to go or one of our, you know, his words, one of our biggest rivals to our next biggest rival. So he's talking about probably – I know everybody thinks they're rivals with the Montana. Eastern has a claim to it, I guess, a little bit too. But if you ask most Montana people, I think they'd say it's Idaho. So you look at now you have to go back-to-back -back against your rivals, but – One's coming after Cat Grizz. And as you mentioned, the intensity, because you go, well, same thing for Idaho. Like, they're coming off at Cheney. But once again, Cheney is 77 miles. It's a day trip. I, I bet you Montana drives over to Bo – or Bozeman will drive over to Missoula too. Not saying that that's necessarily not a day trip. But I just think that Easter game will be able to come out of that game a lot better than Montana coming out of Montana State. So I, I'll pose this to both of you. I got a lot of flack for on the Big Sky Big Takes round take um, thing for basically in an uncontext DM in, in a group chat saying that I could see Idaho winning one of the games, Eastern or Montana, but they probably wouldn't win both. And I see Aaron Rath is joining us, so I did say that they'd probably lose to somebody like a Portland State. I think I said Idaho State or Portland State or, or Northern Colorado. But am I really that absurd for thinking that we could actually, this could be the year we take back the Stein. Cause I, last week I was saying, I'm not sure we'll take back the Stein. But now that like we're actually taking an in depth dive into Idaho's schedule, I think I'm like actively through this conversation feeling my opinion turn on that. I feel like this is really gearing up for us to make a serious, uh, at least a chance at that. I'm just, like I said, I still feel like we'll slip up somewhere and we won't make the playoffs. But I mean, could we, is the Stein going to stay in Moscow this year? I, I, I kind of like after hearing Brian's talk about the Cat Grizz game. I think 
the I Montana game this year, and well, this Montana game for us could be what Eastern was for us last year. In that we win it, and then I think it'll, I think it'll, Montana this year will be like our Eastern last year. Okay. Do you think we can beat both of them, or you think I? I feel, I feel, I feel like we could, but will we is a is a whole another thing. I think it'll be they'll both be competitive, but I think if we're gonna win one, it'll be home ish, the home one, home turnaround. Yeah, Brian, am I insane for thinking? No, dude, you're you're not insane, and because then this is maybe we'll get into a we can invent a tap in, in a second to go over a couple big reactions. But if you look through Eastern schedule, you look through Montana schedule, like there's no world where the where Bobby Hauk or Aaron Best would not trade um, our setup for practice and our first three weeks for their three first three weeks where you know this is going to be weird for everyone but again there's going to be 10 start new starting quarterbacks uh playing in the big sky this year we have one of those new starting quarterbacks we don't know his name yet but um every other team's going to be like that too so having favorable matchups early on gives you it's not an actual preseason but it's going to function as close to a preseason as we have or as we you know we have Northern Colorado, Idaho State, our first two weeks. Um, I'm not. No matter what happens with those two teams, who will have new quarterbacks? Uh, we. It is safe to say from this far out, we don't face an elite defense in our first two weeks. Whereas uh, Montana, you know, they start. They open with with NAU and Eastern. It it might be tough to to go to and know there. Eastern opens up with Portland State and. Montana, those are two tougher things than we have. And the, the whole point of what I'm getting at is for both our games against Eastern and Montana, I, I think it's entirely possible that those are like make or break games for Eastern and Montana. Um, and I think I think we're set up if you know we need things to go in our to roll in our direction in a way that Vandals know not to trust will actually happen. But no man, we have we have a great setup. Um, to put ourselves in position to at least finish top four in conference, uh, which in my mind, if we're finishing top four, yeah, we pick off at least one of those. Uh, If I had to say which one I think we're likely to pick off, honestly, like Montana's Montana, you'd probably say is more talented than Eastern. Um, But I I think Montana has a ton of variables against them in, in this spring season. So if I had to pick one, I actually might pick Montana. Yeah. Uh, and one other thing, just to because we've been really now diving down the the Montana Eastern, so just to throw a little curveball in here, it's something I just noticed too. Just it kind of will probably revert back to that conversation. I, I did notice something I forgot to bring up earlier that when you actually look at the schedule, because I actually went through and highlighted it all to figure out home away, everything like that, because the Big Sky release didn't do that. Um, but Idaho and Eastern are actually the only two that basically have a consistent schedule. In the sense that we go home, away, home, away, or sorry, home, away, home, away, home, away. Eastern goes away, home, away, home, away, home. Everybody else is like home, home, away, home, away, away. So, uh, or, you know, some combo of like at one point they're going to have two away games and two home games. Some of those are happening with a bye week in the middle for away games. Like you look at NAU, they're away at Weber, not exactly a close game. 
and the bye week then away at Cal Poly, not exactly a close game. So, I mean, that's like um, three weeks of basically being kind of in flux and not at home. But then you look at Idaho, as we talked about, you're literally going basically call those first three games home games. Bye week, call it a home game. Call Eastern basically a home game. It's going to feel like a home game other than when you're playing the game, but there's going to be no fans at Eastern. I would bet a lot of money on that. And then you're home against the Grizz. Like, I just feel – I need to pump the brakes. I'm going back down that rabbit hole. But I did think it was weird that only two teams ended up having that consistent schedule, and Idaho is one of them. So I don't know how much uh, – C. Scott Green's been calling up Worcestershire. I guess Dan Satter was really the one who did the schedule, but uh, he must have been making in some favorable calls. But, uh, Brian, going through the taps, is there any other tap you kind of want to pull? Because I know we've got a couple here, and we're actually running pretty good on time. Yeah, the so one last point too. Now this is just yeah. for the mon for Idaho having a favorable slate. Does that mean we're going to you know capitalize on it? Obviously, we have to play the games, but mm-hmm. you know with that you know kind of steady schedule like you talked about, that in my mind mixed with our favorable slate of games puts us in a good place to be doing well. Whereas Montana, you know they two of their first three games are road games, followed by Cat Grizz, which is. Cat Grizz, you know, just become its own animal. And with maybe limited fans, maybe it's further a different animal this time around. Um, Montana State, another team that if we're going to, if we're going to move up, you know, someone's got to move down. Montana State is similar. They start, they have two of their first three games on the road. Their home game is, uh, is Northern Colorado, which you might say is a gimme. But actually, for Montana State, three of their first four games are road games. You know, if Montana State's real good, you should expect that they'll come out at least 500 from that. But that's another, that's another team where, you know, if we're going to move up, we, we need to move up compared to some of the better teams. And it finally feels like Idaho has, you know, some structure in its favor that some of the other teams don't have this time around. And you know what? I'm fine with that. Um, but now as far as a tap, um, I want to go to, well, I guess Martin, uh, do you, do you know the home games we have? Do you have that in front of you? I'm just looking at the release, the, the release, but it's, I think like as Chris was talking about, it's North Northern Colorado, Portland state yep. and yeah. Grizz. So Yeah. Well, that's a brain dead one because the the Grizz is the best home game. So never mind. Uh, yeah, great, great production, Brian. We're gonna scrap that one. Um, do you see Martin? Do you see any trap games for us? Oh uh, no! I think the only if we're riding high, I think. It depends, but if I this is kind of I don't want to go into projections, but say if Montana if we beat a Montana, then am I muted? No, nope. no, I'm not muted. Okay, uh, if if we beat a Montana if we beat Montana, then I could see Southern Utah being trap game, all what Northern Colorado was for us last year. But that's kind of it for as far as trap games go. My. My take is actually the complete opposite of yours in that I think it's definitely the first game of the year. I preluded it to it, if you're watching on YouTube, with Aaron Rath's comments, that he hopes people keep calling Northern Colorado a gimme and they keep looking past us. 
rumors of a McCaffrey kid could possibly be in by spring. That even just paired with the fact that there's no tape on what Ed McCaffrey is going to do. And Northern Colorado is typically a team that plays well and always gets a team every year. I don't want to say it's Idaho twice, uh, but I see us kind of coming in a home, new quarterback. They have no tape on what Ed McCaffrey's offense looks like other than maybe some high school tape, but it's probably going to look so much different than how he was running it in high school. I just think that when, when you look at that, I think it's obvious that Northern Colorado is probably the trap game. And to kind of counter what uh, Martin, you said is I think that depending on how this season goes, much like how NAU was at the end of the year, I don't think you're going to get a trap game at the end of the year, because if these guys somehow are five and zero through the schedule, there's no way they're letting Southern Utah ruin their season. Um, especially when, like I said, it's really the only difficult game they've had, which is kind of goes into your point. But I think when you only have to really get up for one difficult game during the year, I just I don't see that necessarily being the trap game. If we come off a bye week beating Eastern and beating Montana, I do see that we could be riding so high on cloud nine that I actually think it's like impossible for us to get tripped up by Southern Utah. Now, season could go differently. We could be four, four and one or, or something like that going into that game, and then maybe you're right. But I'm way more worried about that first game against Northern Colorado. Uh, than I am the last game against Southern Utah. See, I'm going to go a different direction on this trap, which to me, and what I'm going to connect it to is something I've I've heard uh, Bobby Houck has, has either talked about or something he has tried to build into his schedules to the extent that he can control that, which is um, the creation of momentum so that a, you know, a team – it's easier for a team and a fan base to believe in a team when you don't have to say, Hey, if this next thing happens, you can just point to the wins, which is part of why, I mean, that's part of why good teams will schedule some easy games early on, you know, maybe one tough one in non-conference, but for the most part, they want to pick up those wins and, you know, get themselves to playoffs. Idaho is perfectly set up to have our first two and O start since what, like the 19th century. And, uh, you know, we, we get those first two wins. Portland State, to me, is the trap game. Of We have Eastern and Montana in our following two. But, but also, I mean, if we, if we beat Portland State, one, we're locked in at 500 for the first time. Well, we're for the first time in a long time, or our floor is 500. Um, if we win those first three, reason to believe we'll be four and two at worst. Uh, but I know I'm already looking past Portland State, and they are one of two teams with a returning quarterback. So I don't know. Maybe that matters for them in a way that I, I just don't buy it. But, uh, yeah, Portland State to me is the big, the huge asterisk game. If we start the year 3-0, and um, I think that'll be huge for Vandal fans, for the, for the, whole, for the program, for us getting a better you know, at, approach towards the big sky. Um, all that's going to matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Before we get into anything else, kind of second pause for our – it's not really an ad read, but it's a promotion that we're going to be doing. Um, for those of you that don't have anything going on this Saturday, the athletic department is actually doing a – oh, gosh, what's the proper name of it? Vandal, like now, then, and forever. Um, virtual event on Facebook. It costs $50. Uh, basically, what you're going to be doing – is the attendees will get a chance to hear from the current and former student athletes. The conversations will be bigger than Vandal football. Granted that 
uh, they will get their Vandal football fix. However, the student athletes will be giving an insight into the life of a student at the University of Idaho and how the pandemic has made them refocus. The former student athletes will be priceless from all Americans to boy band pop stars, the hostage negotiators, uh, or their, or from the NFL to law school to K through 12 governance leadership. Just a little background on how our former players are succeeding in life. Plus a chance to get a preview of the season from our coaches and a chance to learn about the coaches on a personal level. So I know like Petrino, Sinkovich, Bresky are going to be a part of it. Christian Ellis, Trey Walker, and Nick Romano, as well as Jake Cox, who's a, a legacy player. Um, so there's going to be a lot of fun current guys. They have a bunch of alumni, including Max Ford. We'll put another card. We had an interview with Max. Um, so yeah, check it out. It's a, it's like $50. It goes to supporting the athletic department exclusively. So if you got really missing your Vandal football fix on Saturday, I think it's at 10 a.m. Pacific. So we'll have links down in the both the podcast and the YouTube description to check that out. Martin, looking back to the taps, pull a tap. What do you want to talk about? Oh, let's talk about, I'd say away game you could travel to so okay yeah this one yeah is basically a yeah, if oh, there wasn't it. yeah if, if there wasn't a pandemic or yeah. who knows some of these states by april we yeah. got what two games in april of course one of them's yeah. in the dome maybe they're allowing some away yeah. fans but under the premise that you're not going to away games travel yeah. yeah which one would you most want to go to Brian just because I just stole the tap so I'll go second before Martin finishes recloses the tap <laughs> I am going to take a slightly left or maybe a more southern turn for this mm. and you know our listeners might be aware of the unconfirmed but certainly not just rumor that southern Utah may be headed to the whack for football in the not so distant future. And you know what? We close out the year at Southern Utah. We're not going to have that many chances to, you know, see, to see the sites in Cedar city. So, you know, if I could pick one, obviously it'd be a nightmare to get there. Cause I'm certainly not flying into Cedar city, but uh, Hey, maybe I haven't seen Utah enough of Utah yet. Maybe I want to give an official goodbye to the Southern Utah Thunderbirds. So I'm saying, you know, I, I want to close the season out on a win. I want to, I want to see some people I can be friendly with um, or not friendly with because I'll never see them again. Let's say Southern Utah. Uh, wow. Well, I'm going to be very unoriginal, although I should have kind of guessed that that would have been your pick. Uh, I also – Southern Utah. I know you – one, if you're looking for pure excitement – this is not the season for us to have exciting games. Um, I mean, I guess you got Idaho State, Eastern Washington, and Montana. But so I guess there we go. I'm, I'm totally wrong. It actually has some good games on it. But away games-wise, you're looking at Idaho State. We're just there two years ago. Um, no offense, Idaho State. It's just the Kibbe Dome turned the wrong direction, and like I don't think it's ever experienced a renovation ever. Uh, then you're away at Eastern – been there me personally i've been there in the off season now a couple times so like excited for that one for the opportunity to hang out with people but regardless i'm going to be able to interact with those people via social media for the game um if not just go in person and do a barbecue somewhere in cheney 
so I'm with Southern Utah, even without those ones. I, I agree with Brian, mostly because I would want to go to St. George, Utah, which is where Dixie State is. And I've been plugging that hopefully Dixie State would be joining Southern Utah and join, replace maybe some of the California schools in, uh, in the big sky. It looks like it's going a completely different direction where you're looking at like maybe Southern Utah, Dixie State, NAU, and some Texas schools are going to be the new whack instead of the California schools. So we're probably not going to get Dixie State, which means I know we actually do have away games at Dixie State pending the pandemic ends at some point um, where you could travel. But if I had a chance to go to Cedar City and Dixie State, uh, which is they're only like 40 miles apart, I think, I would be – Absolutely stoked, and to kind of give them the coup de gras out of the conference would be kind of fun. So, I'd I'd pick, and this might seem kind of strange for some, but I'd pick uh, I'd pick Idaho State. Just kind of make that like a giant Idaho Big Sky weekend. You go to you go down to Pocatello. Go down to Pocatello for that Saturday. Go back to Boise for that week. Watch the women raise the Big Sky Championship that weekend, that full week after that. And just have a good time down in southern Idaho. You just secretly pulled on something completely different. Great plug. We have basketball previews coming out soon. <laughs> when is the Big Sky Basketball Tournament? Uh, like it's the, it's 8th through the 13th is what days I have off in my cal- in my work calendar right now. Very so much. it is literally you would go down to Idaho State, be yeah. in Boise for the entire tournament, and then you have a home game against Portland State. Basically, so we'll yeah. be playing in Moscow when the men's team final would be happening. That's sad. Uh, yeah. But I know women's is that Friday. If I remember from so there's, there's if the men's team absolutely shocks the world and runs the yeah. table, then we could have vandal basketball and football on at the same time. But otherwise, yeah. you literally touch it. You could go to Idaho State, Boise for a week for the Big Sky tournament, and drive back mm-hmm. up to Moscow, Coeur d'Alene, Spokane, Seattle, um, and watch Portland State. That would be mm-hmm. boom. There we go. A little hidden gem in the schedule there, yeah. and then you have a bye week after. So. I bet you, I'm actually surprised that the tournament's not during the bye week. If I was a big sky, I would have probably tried to plan for that, but not the big sky. Um, yeah. Let's see, we're coming. Okay, wow, we are moving real fast through so this. I've got a tap I'd like to just pull out of nowhere. Yep, pull it. So I need to refill. Two part question. While while I'm asking the question, you guys might want to make sure you have that schedule spreadsheet up in front of you. And, oh you know, God. I post this question to Grizz Fan Pod. I haven't been able to listen to all 75 hours yet to, to hear their response. Um, but I'm curious for you guys, looking at the six-game schedule throughout the conference, we've already talked um, exhaustively about the benefits Idaho, Idaho has. Um, but I want to know two ends. Is there any team that you guys see by looking at their schedule you think they will just benefit freakishly from the abbreviated spring season, and then we're all going to think there's something they're not when when they face plant in the fall? And is there an inverse of anyone who, on paper, we're going to say they're pretty good, but if you look at their schedule, it doesn't play. It, there's reason to believe it won't play out well. So a good team's going to underperform this year and then rock it right back up in the fall. 
Oh man, uh, I can. I if yeah, you want, I kind of might mine might be a little quick, but I think Montana has a very good shot of maybe going five hundred this year. Kind of that five hundred. We don't. They think they're might be dropping. I don't know, and then come back and do well in the fall. I think my surprise, maybe Chris might have his, might be, uh, I think Cal Poly, just kind of like, I think Bo Baldwin kind of has them, then his offense goes flying flying in the spring, and then he has more of a back down to earth in the in the fall. Because nobody's going um, to know how to go with while, it. While trying to read my uh, printed schedule, I was holding in front of the camera from behind. Um, you know, uh Brian, can I pass it to you while I really give some deep thought into this? Yes, although I, I may steal something from you. That That is so, fine, because I have nothing right now, so there's nothing to steal. <laughs> all right, so, you know, one first the imposter, the team that could look anywhere from okay to good, but we, we will know that this is just – it's fool's gold, and when thing when the world becomes normal, they will become normal again. Two is Northern Arizona, and I say Northern Arizona because they open up like first off, they're like us. They they practice in a dome, so it doesn't really matter what season they're going to get a full slate of practices. They're also like us, where you can reasonably expect basketball is going to take a back seat to their dome. So there will just be no issues with football practice for them whatsoever. And they open up with one of the Intermountain teams, University of Montana, who is going to have one of the worst setups um, to be ready for the season. So if if, if Montana is going to underperform, it's going to be in week in the first couple weeks, and. They get Northern Arizona first off. Northern Arizona is going to have a new quarterback, just like almost everyone. But again, they play one of their better teams when the better team has no tape of this new quarterback to, you know, to scheme against. Uh, Northern Arizona also, they're back three games. Cal Poly, Southern Utah, Northern Colorado. You know, if Cal Poly doesn't make the big turnaround some people think they they will make although a lot of people are kind of like us on the show we think cal poly will be better but they're not going to be you know bob baldwin national champion contenders after one weird year northern arizona gets to close out with three really lower end of the conference teams all they've got to do is pick up one win in the first three weeks and they're looking at a a real good setup towards four and two. If they can pick up an upset and when Montana is just wretchedly set up for week one, which I don't think they will, but they could. Um, we're talking about a terrible NAU team that we absolutely walked all over. Um, at the end of last season, we saw teams just walking all over them that could on paper has four to five wins written four wins written into their schedule. Almost five. If week one plays out in their favor. Uh, now the other end, which I'll try to be quicker. So I don't filibuster you guys too long. Montana state. Um, uh, Mo- I, I mean, pick them Montana, Montana state. I'm going to say Montana state because they open up objectively. Uh, the UC Davis is we, you should expect to be better in Northern Arizona. Arizona, but Montana State, again, terrible practice setup like Montana. They open up with UCA. They follow that up at Weber State. So that's two road games against relatively tough teams. Yeah, they've, they've got what I, I know Aaron Rath said. Hey, keep calling us a gimme. 
I absolutely will. I'm going to consider Northern Colorado gimme until I have reason to not. So yeah, they've got to give me week three, but then they have Cat Grizz week four. There's a world where they're not playing t- Montana State's not playing terribly, and they opened up at one and three. Um, are they that bad? Of course not, and you know they could easily be different. But that's a to me that's a really rough setup for Montana State uh, that could set them up to look like hey maybe they're you know maybe they're not what we thought they were, but then the world is normal again and they go back to beating the hell out of everyone. Yeah, so. <clears throat> I, I think I have my answers now. One, Sac State, guys. Who knows? So obviously they're best set up to uh, do a much better job in the fall than the spring. Well, I guess they could lose every game, but I don't see that happening. Um, you kind of stole my thunder there at the end. I, th- I think you're right with Montana State in the fact that according to – I'm going to revert back to my article just to really also make it so people feel like they need to know what I'm talking about. You have Montana State as number three in true skill, but they also have number two in toughest schedule. So you look at that. I don't think that's necessarily going to show, right? Like it might, if they absolutely run through their schedule and win, then we'll be like, wow, they were really good. Um, but then you look at basically this entire season, it's just a preseason prelude to what's going to happen fall 2021. I would expect 95% of players will be returning with no loss of eligibility. So you're basically just looking at like, Preseason with a little preseason championship trophy. So you look at Montana going into fall 2021 at Wyoming, winnable for Montana State. I mean, Idaho almost pulled it off. Uh, Drake, San Diego should be wins at Southern Utah should be a win by week Eastern in Missouri or in Bozeman. Then you're at Sac State, home against Northern Arizona. At UC Davis, no, home against UC Davis, at Idaho, at Northern Colorado, home against Montana. Their fall 2021 schedule sets up really well for them to run the table. If they can do something good in the spring, I just think that they have so much challenge. They have Weber on the schedule and everything like that. They might not get the true Montana State here in the fall or in the spring season that you might get in the fall. The other team I just kind of want to like make a mention of is the fact of UC Davis. According to my rankings, UC Davis has the toughest schedule, um, just by a little bit over Montana State. But then you look at them; they were picked fifth in the conference, very steadily at fifth. So that kind of like team that might flirt with going in the playoffs, be one of the last ones out, depending on a good Big Sky season. We don't really know what to expect because they're making the transition from Jake Mayer. Um, I think you'll see UC Davis this year not perform well as they will be going home against Montana state, probably a loss at Cal Poly Bo Baldwin. That's going to be a trap game. You're home against Eastern Washington, probably a loss, but a, maybe a hard fought loss uh, by we at Portland state. You probably pick up a win at Portland state away at Idaho state. You probably pick up a win there. And then you're home against Weber. I mean, your home schedule is Montana state, Eastern and Weber. They're going to be lucky. They don't have fans because their fans would just leave every single game disappointed. (laughs) You you could not have a tougher home stretch unless you threw Montana in there. And then your away games, I mean, they're not exactly not trap games, you know. Coming off a bye week at Portland State, coming off, you know, a week one at Montana sandwich between Eastern Washington, you have a brand new Cal Poly team on the road. I just, I think UC Davis might struggle this year to the point where people next year are talking about UC Davis, much like we talked about NAU or Idaho last year, where it's like eighth, ninth, maybe 10th. 
I think people will start putting UC Davis back in there. And then when the fall season rolls around and they've gotten that extra bit of training, they got Dan Hawkins, a new guy in there, maybe Lane Larson, the guy out of Valley View, a high school here in the Treasure Valley. Maybe they get things going. And all of a sudden, UC Davis maybe making another chance at the playoffs. So I think that's the team that might get the most punished by spring that could capitalize on fall. Yeah, to circle back to Idaho just for a quick point, um, and th- this is why I was curious what you guys' takes were going to be on this. Um, you know, if you if you just categorize the pe- people's schedule off of, hey, how many, how many, if this were a regular year, how many teams, how many potential playoff teams, and then how many fringe playoff teams are on your schedule? Idaho has potential playoff. You know, you'd expect Montana in a regular year to be playoffs. And you'd say at this point, Eastern's at worst a fringe team to be in the playoffs, but their their playoff discussion. No one else really on Idaho's schedule. I mean, you might say maybe Portland State, but I just, I don't buy it. Um, I've never bought Portland State, and I have uh, not yet been punished for that. If you look at Montana State, they have four of their six games against playoff or fringe playoff teams. Well, in a six-game season, that's murderous. You know, two out of every three games are against someone who's good, which, you know, if your team's good like Montana State, then your fans may, hey, you are rewarded in that sense and that you have four games that should be good games um, and then two maybe blowouts. But a weird year, rough prep for Montana State and – Four or six games are against uh, theoretically playoff caliber teams, man. That's, uh, I mean, if you if you can run through those, then you know you have arrived. Yeah. Uh, quick question on the Sac State thing: What's better, zero wins or zero losses? Oh, dude, the jury's in. Zero <laughs> losses. Because look, no, the story basically they're conference champs. Dude, the they story of the Troy, Dude, the story of Troy Taylor doesn't take. Look, artificial or not, because like let's say Montana State five hundred season of all yeah, time. Exact, exactly. Another five, you know, one another five hundred season. Uh, but you don't, you know, if you're there's energy around your program, which Sac State has, the recruitment isn't necessarily gonna take a hit, or like your prestige isn't gonna take a hit from underperforming in a season when you know it's just gonna be very different. They're gonna have essentially the state same understanding they had. Uh, you know, heading into what would have been this season, but it'll transfer into uh, fall 2021. So, you know, as far as they're concerned, from a risk management perspective, I'd say that's probably the right thing. Although from a rewarding your fans, I'm, I'm happy Idaho's playing. Yeah. But yeah, dude, the, yeah, the, I, I think it's, it's not going to hurt Sac State to not play the way it would hurt Idaho trying to build or Eastern trying to recover or Montana trying to maintain. Yeah. Good point. I like it. All right, so real quick, because we're coming up on the hour mark, so literally, like, top of your head, gut gut reaction. According to my article, based on true skill and strength of schedule, Idaho will finish 4-2. and two. I don't need a record prediction, but I want to know, will they overachieve, will they underachieve, or are we spot on? Brian? Spot on. It allows for... Uh, a big win, and it also gives you cushion for a surprise loss. So, yeah, 4-2, spot on. Martin? Spot on. Spot on? I think we overachieve. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll leave it there and tie it into can't you wait for our football preview in about 100-some <laughs> days. Um, all right. Closing the bar. Um We've got one more I Am a Vandal series. 2BD, maybe Theo Lawson, maybe Michael Sean Dugar. It's really – 
Sean might be able to do those. Otherwise, we'll try to find somebody. If you have a connection with anybody, Mark Schlereth just retweeted our our tweet from this weekend, and we got 13,000 views. So maybe Schlereth <laughs> will finally come on. Uh, if you have a plug-in, tweet at him. We'd love to have him on. Um, but we'll have one more of those. Uh, that will air on 11-26, so in two weeks from this one, if you're listening on the podcast a week and two days or whatever, uh, if you're on YouTube. Uh, the basketball preview with uh, your two guys that are on right now, uh, Brian covering the men, Martin covering the women. We'll have a preview coming out on 12-3, which, oh, boy, just so happens to be the start of the basketball season. So no better way to kick that off. Um, serious shouts out, shout outs to our patrons. Uh, premium Drink Token holders, Dave Ellison, Nick Weber, Tub Token holder, Nick Stutzman, uh, and Tub Card member, Dallas Hammer, and Matthew Janicek. So for those of you, we've got the Facebook going. So if you look at your rewards that you're entitled to, get in touch with one of us if you're not a part of what it is. And we'll have everything else coming, like jerseys and all that stuff coming soon. But it's been a weird offseason. Uh, all right. Before we do that, uh, oh, and thank them for helping us keep the lights on here at Tubbs Club. And as you can see behind Martin, being able to afford Montucky cold snacks. Yep. So uh, real quick, it's been a while. Some people and we all haven't been together in a while. What do you guys got going on in your lives and how can the people find you? Martin? Can I annihilate this really quick yep. by asking okay. a quick over under question for you guys? Yep. Because we talked about basketball, the preseason Ken Palm rankings are out. Martin, is Idaho over the number? There's 357 total Division mm-hmm. One NCAA program teams. Yeah, is Idaho? I'm gonna give you a number: 335 out of 357. Are we over or under three, 335? How better or worse than 335? I say we're better. Chris, and I'll say if, if if you want a number, I'll say. Probably in the 270, 280 range, probably in the end of the season. That's <laughs> okay. Chris, 270, 280. Chris, what about you? Uh, I'm not going to pick a number per se, just like <laughs> I didn't predict records earlier. Uh, I do think that we are better than the bottom 50. Uh, I mean, we beat Eastern, who is looking like they had a real shot to win the championship last year. Second year, actual like full year of class, being able to be like, I am the guy. You have to do what I say. I would expect noticeable improvement from last season. Well, I got to tell you guys, you're both sages. We were better than 335. We clock in at 334. Ooh. <sighs> okay. I like it. All right. But now, although, not to step on our lead, it's we have a decent amount of new guys, and no one knows what mm-hmm. they'll look like at the end. Yeah, true. Uh, so, that was Brian Marceau, and basically you can tell he has been up to getting you guys ready for the basketball preview. I'll be out in two weeks – or three – sorry, not four weeks. Four weeks because we have an I Am a Vandal in two weeks. Uh, Martin, what do you got going on in your life? Oh, I got nothing really much. I'm just living in Moscow, getting ready for the – kind of dealing with the snow we have here right now. Working at Schweitzer, hopefully – Maybe basketball games I get to go to. Maybe not. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> and probably following basketball and probably then just following recruiting because that's following both just and just keeping up on recruiting because that's in a month for early signing day and basketball early signing day starts next week. That starts tomorrow. So that's what I'm pretty much keeping up on right now. 
Yeah. Uh, me, I'm going. I'm going to attend the Vandal football event if possible. But if for those of you that follow me on Twitter, I put a bid in at the beginning of the season to be virtually showcased on College Game Day, and it just so happens to be at the Masters this week, and my number got pulled. So I am taking shirt and sign suggestions. You can comment down here or tweet at us. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be on College Game Day this morning. So if you wake up and watch College Game Day, I'll be repping Idaho, and then I'd like to make maybe poke fun at Boise State or, I don't know, promote us or the FCS. So yeah. let me know. Anyways, uh, when Martin's on, he has one real job the entire podcast. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Chris, you want to need to leave me into this? Wait, no. no, wait, no. Oh, it's been, it's been a minute since I've been on one. Oh, gosh. And now it's time to play. <laughs> Sorry. And now it's time to play us out with the beer song. Go Vandals. I say it's time for the best band in all land. Ah. Plays out with the beer song. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.